There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. A dimension of sound. For the 158th time, you are not getting out of here. Please let me finish the Count of Monte Cristo. A dimension of sight. No change at all. What? I, I think I look fine. A dimension of mind. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Fifth Dimension, a Twilight Zone podcast, a podcast where we go through episode by episode of each season of the Twilight Zone, the original series. I am your host once again, Nick. Uh, as you can see, I'm wearing glasses right now, uh, at least uh, computer-generated glasses because my eyes messed up because of allergies. You might actually call it, maybe I got punched in the face, but I call it allergies. It's a lot of fun. Um, so today I'm once again joined by Triv from Trivial Theater. What is up, Triv? Hopefully you don't have allergy problems right now. Uh, not at the moment. Uh, I'm telling you though, those glasses look pretty awesome. I just assumed that they were like the dark colored glasses to reflect the the nature of this episode because it does uh, get maybe. you know it's a kind of kind of dark glasses instead of the rose colored ones. I know, and then I got this Mandy shirt to go with it. You know, the three-quarter sleeve. Apparently, that's not what men wear, but it's somehow Nick Cage gets with with it. And the... hey, he's Nick Cage. He could wear a basket yeah. on his head, and we could say he's all right. <laughs> I mean, he made these on the head, you know, popular. So why not the rest? I know he was able to make a truffle pig exciting. So yeah, um, a truffle pig excited or a truffle pig exciting? Because there could be a difference there. That went to some weird places I was not expecting. I uh, know, excited <laughs> to be in the movie. True. Very true. Uh, but only Nick Cage would do a movie about exciting a pig, you know? Well, you know, I, I mean, to each their own. <laughs> so anyways, um, we're back. We don't have a guest with us, but uh, we uh, do it week by week. We talk uh, each episode. And the one thing I keep forgetting to talk about is if you want to listen to this podcast in audio form only, we're on like Google Play. We're on Apple Podcasts. I post video and audio each week. So go ahead. And if you want to listen to us like in audio form while you're on the road, please do. Just, you know, if you're driving and laughing, just make sure you're paying attention to the road and not how exciting and awesome we truly are. <laughs> that um, goes without saying. Exactly. Especially and when we have incredible <laughs> guests. I know, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We actually have a guest coming next week, too, which will be quite entertaining, I'm sure. So. Oh, that's going to be a morally <laughs> fun time right there. I know. Might might have to put a filter on that one for if you have kids in the car. So, <laughs> so, so. Anyways, uh, oh god, god. I was just gonna say you put him and me together, and oh god, that 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 could go go downhill fast. <laughs> exactly. So, um, how's your week been going? Everything been going good? Well, yeah, yeah. Can't complain. Um, you know, just uh, sitting here trying to figure out still why I have you know two sets of headphones. <laughs> a couple of uh. Is this cup like give you a mortality? Is that how that works? It might. I haven't tried it. I the, the way that he portrayed, like the person he became after he uh, took the immortality thing, I just don't know if I want to go down that road. Like it, it seems like it's not quite worth it. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about season one, episode six, Escape Clause. Came out November 6, 1959, right in time for uh, 
you know, right after Halloween, but right before Black Friday and all that good stuff. It's an episode that I actually, after watching, remember pretty fondly. I've seen this episode a billion times. It was actually, this production code is 173-3603, which means it was the third episode ever produced for the series, which I actually told you, Trib. I was always confused about why the, where I put the twilight zone companion um why the episodes were out of order in the book because you know you figure you'd go by episode by episode as they were released right well apparently the uh twilight zone companion wanted to be super uh geeky and make each uh <laughs> make each uh, episode out of order but as per production code so you know the first one's where is everybody then the second film the second episode we recorded was the lonely which we'll talk about next week and next episode after that was of course escape clause which is i guess the third episode ever produced but in technicality when we don't include the pilot episode is the second episode produced so i thought that was interesting That's very how do you feel about that you know, yeah. I, I can see why it happened. And actually, um, when we when we first talked about this, uh, I ran across a promotional vid from the it must have been right before the series started. And uh, they were they were talking about three episodes and one of them actually was this. And it was like the third one mentioned. Mm-hmm. So it goes right. to show you that makes sense that that's why it was on there. Interesting. I wonder what the other two episodes were. Uh, the Lonely and then uh, who, uh, Where is Everybody? Or is it everybody? Yep. And actually the um the way that they promoted or the way that and this is obviously more for next week, but the way that mm-hmm. they talked about the lonely was really interesting and incredibly indicative of the time, but still just I don't know, it struck me as just really interesting the way that they described the time or the the way the story went down. And it is one more indicator that people really aren't that different now than they were then. Right, right. And it's really interesting because in this episode, this episode deals with a lot of um what if what if you would want to do this how would you handle this blah 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 and uh, i find that fascinating because this is an episode that ends up playing very well and very interesting later on down the line with other episodes like a what if scenario or what if you had a genie that could grant your magical wishes i guess you could say so yeah definitely like and i know it's not the first episode to kind of talk about it but it's Mm -hmm. the first one that really sticks in my mind as a one of those episodes where you know, you get that person that is just like they're they're fed up with where they're at. They say, you know, screw mm. everything. Oh my gosh, if I if only I could do this, you know, the grass is greener type thing. But they're not yeah. necessarily a great person. And then they have yeah. that thing happen and then they kind of reap what they sow, sort of. Right, right. Like I remember watching Futurama and like they had a, you know, a Twilight. I think it was behind the scary door was their version of the Twilight Zone yeah had like the the moral of the story type of a thing and i remember thinking you know that is really indicative of one of the great twilight zone like tropes i guess motifs yeah yeah exactly it's an interesting episode we'll see how it ranks when we finish it but they're kind of continue um the episode is directed by once again or i don't know if this is his first episode of mitchell lyzen i think i've mentioned his name before yeah this is um, the i think i think he directed three episodes is that what it was? I, yeah. I go to his Wikipedia page and it doesn't mention anything about Twilight Zone, of course, but... Not sure what that says. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Okay, so he, did, he directed 16mm Shrine. So they basically, what it seems like what they were doing is they were doing one episode and then they were doing another episode probably in concurrent with the other episode. So maybe they had like three directors working at once and then they would go to another episode later on down the line, maybe... I think I think that's how that works. Sometimes they'll do like multiple episodes at once, but have different directors and stuff. So that makes sense. 
especially yeah. if they're on different different studio or different uh sets or sets as they're going but it's directed by Mitchell Eisen, and of course, it's written by Rod Serling again. Um, it stars David Wayne as Walter Bedecker, uh, Thomas Gomez as Mr. I thought it was Ked Wadler, or but the way he sounds it, it sounds like he's saying a, his A's as an E, but I think it's, it's like Mr. Ked Wadler. Ked Wadler. Mm-hmm. Go with that with what you will. Sure. <laughs> uh, Virginia, I know I'm gonna screw Virginia, it up, so <laughs> nah, it's fine. Uh, Virginia, we'll just go by uh, Mr. So you call him Mr. 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 Oh, Mr. We can call, call him Devil Baby. Hey, Devil Baby, there you go, Devil Baby. <laughs> hey, um, Devil it has Virginia. <laughs> It has has Virginia Christine as uh, Ethel Bedecker, Dick Wilson as Insurance Man One, Joe Flynn as Insurance Man Two, Wendell Holmes as Bedecker's lawyer, Raymond Bailey as Bedecker's doctor, and there's more people in this episode, but nothing you know of note. I mean, kind of the way this way the series works, but um, so this episode is in between two really great episodes because uh, I really like the lonely and um, the opening narration for this episode is you're about to meet a hypochondriac. Of course, you know, kind of figures when you see what he's doing, wouldn't it witness Mr. Walter Bedecker age 44 afraid of the following death, disease, other people, germs, <laughs> drafts, and everything else. So he's basically, he's basically the, um, uh, like Howard Hughes or that guy from uh, was it uh, what, uh, what was that anthology movie series that had the crypt or had the um, comic book of George Romero and Stephen King? Um, uh, was it not Creep Show? Yeah, Creep Show. Yeah, he's like the guy in Creep Show, you know, with all the bugs and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't um, that Stephen King played him? No, no, he was he was the guy that gets uh, turned into a plant or so. Or oh poor, he, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. He, yeah. he poked a meteor with a stick. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's like a very racist, uh, foul mouth individual. It's pretty funny. So, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> One kind of fun thing about the hypochondria thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. according to, um, and this is IMDb, so I guess to, you know, take it how you will. But uh, the time this series first aired, it was commonly believed that a frequent case for hypochondria or frequent cause of hypochondria was a desperate need to find something to occupy one's mind. The combination of boredom and a lack of imagination about how to counter the boredom. Uh, several TV series at this time had episodes involving a one-off character whose co- hypochondria was cu- cured by finding something else of interest. Interesting. Yeah. So basically they're just bored. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all that their their issues are. I got to say, though, he is incredible. Like, from the start, he is incredibly unlikable. Like, you don't really feel bad for him. We'll get to that in a second, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, he has one to continue the opening narration. He has one interest in life, and that's Walt Bedecker. One preoccupation: the the life and well being of Walt Bedecker. One aiding concern about society: that if Walt, Walt Walter Bedecker should die, how will it survive without him? So this is a pretty straightforward opening narration. We got a guy. It, it literally spells out exactly what this guy is. He's a he's an a hole. He's a douchebag. He wants everything for himself. He cares about no one. He cares about no man or woman. And um, he, uh, to me personally, gets what he deserves in the end. So, um, but reading this opening narration, what was your overall opinion on how you thought the story was going to go before you actually watched the episode? Or actually, I should ask, have you seen the episode before? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of okay. times. So, uh, but going into the, just the opening narration, seeing this guy in the bed, 
with some towel wrapped around his head like he's a <laughs> a poor starving child or something like that what did you think of for uh like on first take oh total asshole i mean there's really no other way to put it like when it said that he you know couldn't imagine the world without him it's like okay he he's a hypochondriac he hides away from the world doesn't want anything but for himself that and that i guess the selfishness i don't know if that plays into what rod sterling kind of thought about um like hypochondriacs or if it was just you know i want to make this guy super slimy and unlikable and he'd be the kind of person to make a deal with you know um, right. mr cat mr cat cat Cadwalder. Who's Cad, who's ironically Cad, Cad, Cad his no. first name is apparently Ted. His first name's Ted. <laughs> yes, it is. Ted. Oh my god. <laughs> he looks like a Ted. I think it fits. Apparently. <laughs> he played a minister on uh Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So if you're gonna have a yeah. pastor underneath the planet of the apes, I think it probably his name should be Ted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you straight off the bat, I think this episode is about Hollywood. I should say it's about uh, executives in Hollywood, how they will sell their soul to the devil to get what they want. And um, I think the idea of the woman, the the wife character is like the abused, um, uh, what are they called? The people that come in and work under the underlings. Oh, the assistants. Yeah. yeah, their yeah. personal assistants. Yeah, I think this I is, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it is. I just get that impression from, the kind of underlying themes that are going on we get a guy who is a hypochondriac is a jerk to everyone he knows thinks everybody's bsing him and you know it's kind of like how hollywood works with their with their execs and stuff like that how producers work and whatnot so i'm not saying that's how this is yeah yeah but i, I think it's so it. yeah so um anyways um this episode opens up with walter bedecker in his bed He's being looked over by his doctor or whatever the heck is, whoever it is, is just says Bedecker's doctor. And um, we basically see that this guy ha- tries to con this doctor into believing that he has every single alien problem, of, you know, known to man. <laughs> the doctor tells him fine, but he, he berates him and calls him a quack and an idiot. And it's just like, <laughs> this doctor, <laughs> this doctor is probably like, you know what? I'm just going to put up with it because I'm being offered all this money. And he's just oh, yeah. going to pay me. He's paying me. So, I mean, what the hell? We're in home <laughs> Call me a quack all you want. <laughs> yeah. And then we're introduced to Virginia Christine's Ethel Bedecker during the scene where she basically is the abused wife. Oh, my what, God. And what, what Walter does to uh, uh, Ethel in this episode is absolutely horrendous. And not from a standpoint of being, you know, very PC and very you know, woke as they're calling it in today's society, but it really is about a really terrible individual that does something really tragic uh, for his, and he, he doesn't care and it's really tragic. And I feel like her character's written more as a plot device, but more as a, just like a, a abused widow who just doesn't see past what's going on. Do you agree? Do you have any other takes on that at all? I, mean, I, I think she should have taken a shovel. Yeah, I would, I would have, if I was her, I would hope that she'd take a shovel to the back of his head, honestly. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's, he, you look at it and you, you know, you obviously, you're not, you can't really look beyond what we're shown in that respect. But right. my God, it's just, it's, he is so just demiss, admiss, or bleh. he's so dismissive of her. I mean, and yeah, like, you know, oh, I'm the only thing that matters, you know, screw you and all the rest. And, I it's just like oh between 
he accuses her of wanting to kill him and you know that she's in league with the doctor and they're trying to off him and there's just he's he's such a piece of crap person that you just kind of look at him and go okay you know it's stupid for you to stick around please get out while you can i mean the doctor even offers her vitamins which is a really strange right now she'd probably be taking prozac or something like that or probably you know opiate or whatever she'd be taking but i mean it's like the things that he calls her in this movie are very 50s in their essence of like how they're said but it's very prevalent what rod sterling rod sterling is setting this guy up to just fail as a human being from the offset and he deserves everything he gets and that's why you know we'll talk about in a second that's why when caldweather however the hell you say his name ted we'll call him ted uh comes (laughs) to the mix he's like he's He's like the, even though he's playing a certain uh, person from a certain place, uh, he comes in the mix and um, he becomes almost like our protagonist in a lot of ways because he, he helps in the end get rid of this terrible human being, but not at the, not at the cost of, or not at the cost of a human life. So, yeah. So um, after that little bit, um, after we see the really t- terrible Walter Bedecker, which I'm not going to judge David Wayne on this on this um, acting ability because he does a really nice job. I'm actually this episode is actually doing a really nice job of playing these playing this character as he is. It's not cheesy. It's not cheap. It's actually played for some real uh, real dramatic moments, even though it's in the Twilight Zone. So I have to give credit for David Wayne at least doing a comparable job to the role. So, oh yeah. Well, he did a great job playing just a bastard, really. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great like he plays it. Him and like I think everybody in this played it really well. Like, right. And um, like we always make fun of how like Joffrey from Game. Of, I don't know if you watched Game of Thrones, but Joffrey in Game of Thrones was a complete another piece of trash. But the act, the person playing him was amazing. It's just that mm-hmm. type of thing. So, anyways, uh, so we have Thomas Gomez coming in as Ted uh, Cad Wadler. I thought his name was Ked Wadler, 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 whatever. <laughs> ever say his name? I understand if you say in the comments that it's not how it's said. It's a hard name to say. Forgive me. Anyways, we'll call him Ted for now. I guess it's his first name. And he is an individual similar to, um, was it Jackie Gleason that was in a game of pool? Is that who yeah, that I think was? So. Yeah, I think so. Let me look it's that been up. Long since I don't... I've seen that. And so it was like Jonathan, he's like Jonathan Winters where he just kind of comes out of nowhere. And we talked, we've been talking about this for the last couple few weeks. And it's a really interesting kind of concept that the Twilight Zone has started to accomplish where some of the most interesting stuff in the episodes in the series come at the expense of a mirror. Oh yeah, and that was that was massive in this. Yeah, and I don't know if the mirror is is a easy way to hide things or to do like um, the effects work when they bring in bring in cold weather uh, into the group into the mix. If it, if having a mirror makes it easier to do the optical effects and stuff like that, but mirrors i think are very prevalent and we'll talk about this through many of the episodes but mirrors are very very prevalent i think on the aspect of how like looking at yourself in the mirror how do you see yourself in the mirror how does the mirror portray yourself on the other end is there another way of looking at yourself and it, it happened in the last episode it was very prevalent having the episode before that is something that i think ross Rowling puts in his episodes as a I don't know if you agree with me as like a reminder of how to look at ourselves in the mirror and how we portray ourselves in the world and how, you know, the Twilight Zone kind of uses that concept. So do you agree or do you have any other concepts on it? 
I think so. And and for this one, I think there's a lot of like not metaphorical stuff, but it's like even though so in for instance when he's talking to Ted, he's mm-hmm. looking at himself in the mirror and he's got a really intense gaze. And I think that that plays to the, you know, that internal battle of, you know, do I face myself or do I, you know, face the devil basically and, and go with this, you know, that kind of internal bit, you know, right. there's two sides to him. Does he go, you know, which do you choose to go with? Are you right. on the side of angels as it were? Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good point. Um, it's just funny because Cadwaller or Ted, I'm going to keep calling him whatever. Uh, we'll just call him Bob. <laughs> no but anyways uh, ted, ted ted appears and he's like this bubbly personality he is this guy that seems like he could be your drinking buddy or something like that but as we know the devil's a trickster if you, um well, that's he's the just, thing about the devil he's incredibly like you know he's charming and suave and you you want to like him because that's kind of the devil's game at least in this yeah. kind of a term and i think when the devil pops up outside of the howling man which spoiler there is a devil in there um it's uh it's uh, the, his character is like the characters that are the most mischievous are the ones you find most appealing and it's a very good kind of dichotomy of how he positions his characters in his scripts to play off the you know the way the characters move and the way they operate and how people are used against one another and how somebody like the devil because he, he said the um walter says you're the devil he's like bingo and it's like it's just a really kind of cool concept to have a very uh you know very jiggly uh, uh, you know very excited man who <laughs> just wants to have your soul for the rest of your life which is creepy and disturbing but basically walter talks to ted uh called weather and ted offers walter the opportunity because he know he's playing off his hypochondriacism to uh possibly gain immortality 100 years thousand years million years whatever you want so with that said walter becomes excited and we know this is not gonna go well for walter but we know he's excited because he's like oh i can live forever i can jump off buildings i can become bill murray from groundhog day um <laughs> basically <laughs> exactly and all you have to do one little teeny tiny thing speck of dust i like how he kind of prolongs what exactly what it is but we know exactly what he's gonna be asking for but he keeps going just a little tiny crumb just a little (laughs) grain of sand (laughs) he's like um, your soul exactly (laughs) (laughs) and all i could think about was homer simpson the donut he's like i'll give you this nice crispy donut for your soul and homer eats like one but one piece or whatever but um (laughs) Walter, of course, being Walter, being the real hypocrite, very disturbing human being that he is, he signs on the line. And um, this was my favorite part. All of a sudden, uh, Ted pulls out the uh, smoking stamp, which I thought yeah. was awesome. <laughs> that it was. And cool. He just goes, yeah. He just go and stamps is it's still smoking as he, uh, as Cadwaller disappears. <laughs> but I just thought that stamp was cool. I'm like, I need a smoking stamp. I'm like, that would be awesome go around asking for people's souls and shit here <laughs> you have to wear the mandy shirt though i think yeah exactly i can do that i can go around with blood on my face with my cheddar goblin macaroni and cheese you know <laughs> i did love to um you know just the 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 way that the devil uses words like he mm. was like oh you know it's it's a it's a it's a tiny thing you know it's, it's a you know a, a fragment just a tiny fragment <laughs> of of what you are i mean he just 
he he's such a good way of talking around with things and it was so smooth yeah and what's really awesome is we know exactly what he's asking for but it's it's done in such a way where it almost feels like um like not even an important thing not even a relevant thing it's just a thing well it's a thing that if you believe in religion is a very important thing but he's using it as a almost like a uh a poker chip or a chess piece to just oh, yeah. go just just move your rook here you'll be fine i won't you know sweep <laughs> you out and checkmate you and stuff like that and uh it's it's a pretty like you said it's a pretty awesome way for him, the devil which is considered the ultimate evil to play on your you know on your your wishes and dreams and this isn't the genie from aladdin he's very very nonchalant in what he's trying to do so yeah but that's kind of his trick too if you want to look at yeah. it from that perspective i mean like there was there's been movies where you know oh the devil just wants your soul but you don't believe in your soul so what's the big deal if you lose <laughs> it you know that kind of a, that kind of a thing yeah yeah so i'll sell your soul for a donut or i'll sell your soul for exactly yeah so this leads to like i said before the groundhog day stuff um i can't remember if this goes to commercial before he starts doing the groundhog day stuff i want to say yes i think so yeah Um, yeah so what that he goes to it before the commercial Uh, i think they he signs the thing he puts his hands on the radiator pulls his hands back and they're smoking and he's laughing and then it fades to commercials right so i gotta ask you first part of the episode what was your like overall opinion do you um do you think it's a strong start to the ep- a song start to a twilight zone episode do you feel oh definitely i mean you know it's yeah. not gonna knowing and i don't know maybe back then it would have been different but mm. you saw the kind of person he was and i don't think that there's any question about the kind of person he's going to be because like like anything you change someone's circumstances where you remove the risks that person is going to go more extreme to that kind of a thing. So if they're assholes, they're going to become bigger assholes. Mm. The only question I had was, and I guess this is a little bit further on, but I guess I'll, I'll ask it later. But I mean, he treats his, like, even after he does the thing, I think his wife comes in and checks on him, right? When his hands are smoking. I don't remember. No. uh, Yeah. I I don't think she does. I don't think she appears until after he's with the uh, insurance insurance. people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah which no, is really weird oh god sorry it's no no i was gonna say it's a really weird plot point like i said she is almost just there for the main situational plot points she's not there for the devil she's not there for his signing because you know she would try to talk him out of it so maybe that's why she's not there when that happens yeah um, that's true even though he, he wouldn't listen to her probably so no no he, he'd poop her poop her uh, he would poop <laughs> her away and right. you know that would be kind of it because you know yeah. he's as previously stated he deserves a shovel to the face exactly <laughs> so we come back from commercial and um wall is like i said earlier doing the groundhog day thing where when bill murray in that movie when he finds out he literally can't die walter does some really disturbing things he well we see one disturbing thing but then he talks about it later but he's at the train station you know he's minding his own business and probably not the most well done visual work he jumps in front of the train even though we know the train's like a a newsreel shot or whatever and then we see the flashing lights and then we feel see the people screaming but in essence what he's done is he's jumped in front of a train to see if he can commit suicide and if he will actually die and uh we see that he can't he comes back, his jacket and whatnot is in all in shambles. Like oh, a, it's comedically shambly. <laughs> it's like a hobo jacket. It's so yeah, bad. Totally. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> but this is when we when we go into the whole bit with the insurance salesman. Um, I was a little confused about what so these insurance salesmen have insurance clauses that if he lives through an attack or uh, basically jump in front of a train that he gets insurance money i was really confused by this one you can you help me out with it uh i'm not 100 percent sure i'm guessing like like I, I don't even know if it's life policies i suppose like mm-hmm. some variation on life policy maybe because it's clearly right, not right. health insurance I, i'm guessing like this should have killed you because he even says to the one guy who um represented the insurance company that you know the of the train that hit him only a thousand dollars well you don't have any scratches on you my guess is that's probably he was supposed to have died and since he didn't die or maybe it was like like what we would consider today like you know you sue someone out of court kind of a deal maybe right right but it was with insurance so clearly i mean unless the insurance is covering that side of things i'm but it was funny because he's just like you know like he was just kind of put off by well i've got money but it doesn't really matter because i didn't feel anything and like, it's like, yeah. oh, I, I put, I put two minutes effort into, you know, being hit by a train or, you know, stepping out in front of a bus and, and all I got to show for it is 1500 bucks, which, you know, back in the fifties was a lot more yeah. than what it is now, but still, yeah it's like his I'm wife's at- face. I was just like, oh my, I mean, just the look of like, like, oh God, my poor husband. <laughs> she looked, she looked annoyed by it. She's like, what are you doing? But the the funny part is like these insurance fans are there to they they, they talk to each other like oh you're here too huh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but walter's like i'm bored of you get out i'm like oh my god man we already hate insurance men as insurance people as it is you don't have to make yourself even look worse than an insurance person <laughs> well but, and you think too that like and again you can only look at this for the range of the story that we have in front of us but I would imagine that there would have had to have been some pretty significant like investigations into all that stuff. Cause like, how does this guy survive like being hit by a bus or being hit by a train? It's ridiculous. I thought it was funny as hell. It's like his wife is literally nonchalant. She's like more mad at him than she is worried and like upset by him because he's like, when the insurance men leave, she's like all upset, yelling, like upset by him. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh man, I'm so bored. I've done all these things. I've done like 14 different things and I just, <laughs> nothing. I don't feel nothing. She's just like no, so nonchalant no, about it. Yeah. That, well, and I'm sure by that point, if he's done 14 different things, like on the mm. first one, she was probably like, you know, terrified. But by this one, she's just kind of like, eh, you know what? Stop your freaking complaining. But just like, but it goes to show you that I mean, there's kind of two sides to this. On one side, you've got the, it's that humanity, that, that, that chance of dying or that chance of being hurt, even if it's a subconscious thing that, you know, drives us forward. And even with a hypochondriac asshole like him, it still affects him. Yeah. It's weird too, because, you know, you would think they would, in this episode, they would give it like a few, I don't like, I don't know how long it's been since he signed the deal with the devil, but it seems like it literally just happened the day before and now he's already bored which i thought was kind of i don't know if that's true or not but like i said passage of time worked weird in the twilight zone episodes because how long they are he, yeah he he basically is bored and he's like oh find me some uh, i need some uh, uh peroxide and ammonia and something else yeah there was rubbing something else he, but was the other thing yeah 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 so he's got, like he has a rubby alcohol and the the peroxide you start mixing it up they go, oh, do we have any ammonia? His wife brings it. She's like, she brings him ammonia. He pours it. He just like stirs it up. And he drinks it. He's like, it tastes like lemonade. Watered down lemonade. I'm like, 
wow. Like he can't treat his wife right when he's trying to commit suicide. And she's just at this point, she's just mortified by what's going on. And oh yeah, I would be too. <laughs> it's like why are you trying to and it's it's like, well, I'm sure that time has passed, but I doubt like I doubt months has passed. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when you get those people that like have all the money and they end up blowing it or getting it stolen or whatever, like within the first couple months of having it. That's why you should never win the lottery, apparently, because you will not have any idea what to do with it. You'll end up at a strip joint. It'll be stolen from the backseat of your hick podunk truck. I was I was hoping you were going to go there. I was wondering <laughs> if you were actually going to bring that up. Yes. Yeah, it's like one of the greatest stories about somebody who won the Powerball or lottery or whatever it was. So. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but at this point, Walter gets the bright idea. He's like, hmm, you know what I could do? I could jump off the roof. Ah, that would be exciting. Maybe that'd be a thrill. And he goes up to the roof, and then his wife uh, stupidly goes up there with him trying to you know coerce him not to and um the uh most effed up moment in the episode happens where she falls off the roof accidentally and uh uh, was it walter gets out a cigarette he doesn't really seem that upset by it no he's totally he's totally just like nonchalant like ah you know (laughs) well she could die i guess and then he gets the right idea oh sorry yeah so i'm like what the hell man like you were uh you were past the point of no return and that's when he goes down to the apartment and calls the police he's like I got another bright idea. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to admit to the murder. And uh, yeah, we're going to see where that goes here in a second. Um, exactly. but, what, but overall, like that whole segment, we'll call that act two or whatever. <laughs> does that, does that make you hate Walter even more like that whole segment? Or do you like find any sympathy for him? Or how do you feel about this segment? Oh, there's this is no a really sympathy. disturbing segment. Oh yeah. There, there's no sympathy for him regardless. I do wonder though, like, and I guess given the end of the episode, I, I did wonder, like when I got to the end of the episode, I did wonder like, you know, the lack of soul, you know, being that that was taken. Is that what made him kind of a, you know, a guy that didn't care about anything? Like when his wife falls off the roof, yeah, like I said, he just lit a cigarette and was like, ah, you know, nothing lost. <laughs> and it makes me wonder like, was that, was that something that came from losing his soul or was he just that heartless to start with? Like, I see him as that's kind of him being just that heartless to start with. Yeah, I get what you're saying because, you know, sometimes, quote unquote, losing your soul or losing the heart, you know, we'll go to the Grinch, for instance. We, he had no soul or heart or he just didn't have a heart and he gained it later on. But that that makes sense to think about if like the, if giving a soul over made him even worse. But I, I agree with you. I don't think he ever had a, a heart. I don't think he ever had a soul. I think he was a completely terrible individual that some way through his entire life. Maybe he was mistreated as a kid. Maybe he was who, who knows. But He's yeah, I think that, to start with. <laughs> yeah, and I think <laughs> I think the fact that he was able to survive all these attempts of you know suicide and stuff like that made him even worse but i think he was always a bad person and yeah i really didn't see a difference like i i I feel like had his wife fallen off the building before he made the deal i really truly think he would have had the same response like he wouldn't have called the cops but i think he would have just like you know lit a cigarette looked down and kind of just went you know so disturbing to think about Eh, just a little bit Uh. (laughs) So anyways, like I said before, he calls the police and he decides, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see what it's like to be in the electric chair. You know, (laughs) at first I was thinking, why would you want to do that to yourself? Even if you're immortal, then I remember him putting the hands on the, on the, on the steam vent or whatever, and not feeling anything. So I don't think you'd feel anything in the electric chair, but 
he he's in jail he has a cigarette he's talking to his lawyer and the lawyer's like oh we can get you a life in prison or something like that and he's like no no i want to like no he's like upset he's like you haven't said anything to me you feel like you want to just be guilty and go to the electric chair and i love walter's just demeanor in this because he's just like yeah whatever i'm accepting my fate good for you whatever and he kind of leaves in this like you know very you know <laughs> i want to say like dragnet at the very end of dragnet where they have like the like the music's playing like that which i thought was kind of funny but he goes across he goes in front of a judge and the worst scenario that could ever happen to walter bedecker happens he sent to life in prison which you know most most people would die you know 40 years down the line or whatever it is however old they are he would probably die like 20 years or whatever for being a hypochondriac and he realizes that he's screwed and that he's um uh going to be in jail for quite a while maybe a millennium <laughs> or more i will say and, so um, when the when the officer comes in and says well you know you're they're gonna because it was his last meal before they transferred him to the penitentiary it's like well you know you'll 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 know you'll maybe make it 45 years you know at your age you'll you won't last any longer than that and that whole <laughs> it was kind of a little dig at him like i, I kind of laughed because it was kind of funny <laughs> um so he's sitting in the he's sitting in the jail cell and i didn't bring this up earlier but the one thing that um ted um codweller said is i will give you a choice you when you live for when you sign this agreement if you decide that it's too much you have what is called an escape clause effectively what the name of the episode is and that escape clause is you uh you whatever you use it and you can get out and die and i take your soul and you know or walter's like "Ah, i'm never gonna need that blah 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 and (laughs) whatever two months later he's in the jail cell he's like (laughs) we see ted making you know saying are you ready to use the escape clause and you know walter shakes his head yes he's like you're feeling the most massive heart attack in the face (laughs) of the earth and that's when walter falls to the ground dead and uh it's kind of a fitting end to a guy that just was a terrible human being, but I like the prison guard comes in or the, the police officer comes in and he looks at the life of his body. And he goes, poor devil. Like, yeah. that's awesome. That's a way to, that's a way to end the episode with a line. Oh, very much um, so. That was excellent. Yeah. But, um, but we end on the closing narration and it's Rod Sterling saying, there's a same, every man is put on earth condemned to die sure uh time and method of execution is unknown and we're at that point where we know at some point we're going to die is you know the fortunate case of life um perhaps this is that is it should be case in point walter bedecker lately deceased a little man with such a yearn to live beaten by the devil by his own boredom and by the scheme of things in this the twilight zone with that said a man who just was a bored individual as you said boredom you know, really was trying to find a way to keep themselves busy. And uh, he was beaten by the one thing that was uh, his mortal enemy, which was uh, pure evil, something much, yeah. much worse than he was. So, Agreed. Um, so with that said, uh, that is the episode. What was your overall take on the last section of that episode? And um, how do you feel it ended? That was appropriate, I think. I mean, given, I mean, he knew that he was, it's like when you, you know, get in a car and put a brick down on the accelerator. The end result is, you know, you're not, you're not getting get out of it alive. Um, the one thing I, I, I'm not sure of with this, he had such a, oh, well, I want to live forever and I want to do all this stuff, but yet he was still hypochondriac and he was always talking about death. I'm not sure how I feel about the, the balance between those two points. Maybe I'm missing something. No, I mean, it's a weird thing. It's, um, 
the problem with the episode to me personally is it's a little too in your face about a character who really wants something that really is bored by life and he gets what he wants and he just completely just doesn't feel anything for it and it's like it's like you know winning the lottery like we said you know you win the lottery and you just you have all this money and you don't know what to do with it so it's the play of the human condition and the, the challenge end. is gone yeah that makes yeah sense. if that makes sense with what you're trying to say if I... I think so um i'm just trying to like like the the two things if you had a guy that was you know mm. had broken his leg you know gone you know going like doing like not extreme sports per se but like you know really oh you know i'm doing this thing you know i've got all this you know maybe an executive or something he's like i've got all this stuff to do and not enough time breaks his leg where he's you know out of it and then the devil comes to him and says hey I can help you be perfect for this. Like that would have worked better in my mind more than in a hypochondria because the two don't really mesh as much. Yeah, I mean, I get, no, no, Maybe. you're right. It, it doesn't because you're basically playing off the guy's fantasy of him just being even worse than he already is and being even more of a hypochondriac because, you know, hypochondriasm, as they call it, is a very serious problem with some people. And yeah just playing off that and making it even worse you're not helping the person but i think because they threw the devil in there instead of angel smith or whatever that maybe <laughs> it works better yeah no i agree i, I like I the story the story is is great mm -hmm. there's no problem with it but just if i had one criticism it would be that the two those two points didn't quite mesh like the mm -hmm. line of him saying oh you know a man is only allowed so many years on this earth and it's not right why can't he live you know 100 300 500 years right it didn't feel like it fit with what he was, you know, saying, oh, everybody wants me to die and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you would think with somebody in there that may be like pouring down on his luck that it would be more offered. But I, I think the only reason I think the reason it does work, and this is my opinion, is just having such a terrible character, terrible, terrible True. individual. Oh, no. And, and the story is great. I, I don't it's, think you need yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think you need to be like a hypochondriac to be that. I think it's just it makes it more enhanced. Uh, sure. to have the character have the fallout that he does in the end but having two things that equal the same attraction when it comes to like magnets or something like that is really it can be a little problemsome if not done right but i think i understand where you're coming from but i think in the end i think it's um just a simple fact that they were able to use a guy that's just a uh, he's basically a whiner and complainer and he kills his wife to you know get the just desserts that he was deserved and yeah um yeah so i mean I, like i said i understand where you're coming from though it makes a lot of sense to think that because it makes it um you know a little too a little too forceful a lot of it's a tad on the nose yeah yeah and that that's that's this problem that's this i'm gonna be fairly honest that's this episode problem is a little too on the nose and a little too forceful and it's kind of ways it tells you you know how the story's written i like like i said i like episodes like walking distance that you know they're Twilight Zone episodes, but they're just not, they're just below the in your face that you have still a gist of what's going on, but it's not like beating you over the head about live your life how you should, you know, don't let people put you down. Or if you work in the entertainment industry, don't be, you know, the person that works underneath that executive that's constantly yelling at you and stuff like that. And Life is um, worth more, yeah 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 that that that's what this episode's trying to do but it does it a little too strongly sometimes so i yeah like definitely uh, yeah <laughs> so i i don't 
I don't know if this is good. I don't think this is good as walking distance, but it still has its moments. I think in the end, I think uh, Thomas Gomez as Mr. Codwaller is a lot more entertaining than Walter Bedecker. Oh, but tons, I don't think, yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone, that's just because he's allowed to exhibit jolly goodness and uh, jolly <laughs> evilness so cool. and David <laughs> well, Wayne's not able. Very much so. Well, even the, uh, the, the officer that came in um, and then with the understanding that um, David Waters, is that his name? Um, it was David Wayne. David Wayne. I mean, David Wayne absolutely knocked the role out of the park. Like he did such yeah. an incredible job with the role. Like he played it just, and I know that to play something that straight and to not overdo it or to, to do that and to do it so perfectly is not a simple thing to do. So he did a great job. I mean, Dave or um, Joseph, Joseph Gomez, uh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Gomez. Gomez. I mean, yeah. incredible as the devil, like just such a, just a, such a great character like the the way everything was read it just it was incredibly well done like yeah. everyone in it did a great job yeah i mean i agree it's not like it could be an episode i'd ever go back and watch over and over again just because there are so many like really fantastic um twilight zone episodes and this is this is like one of those good episodes but not what i would call the greatest episodes ever made no. No. but it's just entertaining enough that you really get a sense that you understand where Rod Sterling is coming from. You understand what he's doing. It just does it a little, a little too in your face, which, right. you know, a lot, of these epi- a lot of these episodes will do at some point. It will be a little too in your face and, you know, maybe too, a little too, too much for what it's worth. So, yeah, well, they, they, they hit on what they need to hit on and being that they only have what, 23 minutes to be able to get those points. You kind of yeah. have to, you know, you can't, you know, wine and dine, the 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 audience you know through a five course meal it's kind of like you know fast casual food from like you know arby's or something right (laughs) and um this episode runs pretty quickly though like it's over before it begins i I was taking notes i'm like oh this episode's almost over like holy cow so (laughs) yeah um oh one fun oh god sorry one fun thing that relates back to something that you did when you were at orlando um Mm -hmm. so the tower of terror has a reference in this episode located with the attraction oh yeah yeah i know you haven't been i don't know i know you haven't been to disney forever i know you haven't been to twilight zone tower of terror but you walk in there and there are props from the tv series all over the place there's like the little doll that's, i can't remember which episode the doll's in there's like sheet music for one of the episodes there's the camera from when the uh the three people take pictures and they oh, both all die episode. at the end i uh, love that episode so much <laughs> There's uh, the glasses from uh, uh, Time Enough at Last are broken. There's this. I, I remember it's somewhere. I, it's somewhere in the lobby, or I, I believe. But there's that. You know what you were just saying. Um, it's just chock full of references. It's really cool. If you ever come down to Orlando, we'll. I'll. I'll make myself go on that ride, and I'll show you all the, Sweet. the cool props and stuff. So well, in addition to the props, there's actually a certificate of inspection signed by Catterwaller. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Grand and the inspection. Uh, inspection, yeah, the inspection number is ten two fifty nine, which is when it first aired, or when Twilight Zone first aired. That's pretty awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's um, I, I see. I did that too in my open, uh, my opening. Thanks to you, Trip, uh, for my opening. My store number is the day I started the first video I posted for Movie Emporium, which is kind of cool. So nice. Oh, you got good taste. Uh, what can I say? You know. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I uh, I try. <laughs> I got, I got good animators, so. Yeah, 
yeah, you know, well, when your animator <laughs> is animated, you know, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to figure out how to unnail the uh, arms so she can go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want me to do that. I, I don't wear deodorant as much as I should. <laughs> The avatar doesn't wear and doesn't wear deodorant as often as she should. I do, oh, but she doesn't. Bring <laughs> to myself in the third person now that that's not good. So um, overall, I think we are in agreement. The episode is pretty good. The episode is very interesting and entertaining. It has a lot of metaphors. Is there before I go into the actual Twilight Zone list? Um, is there anything you else you want to talk about in the episode? Is there anything that we miss that? you wanted to bring up because you know i tend to do that where i'm reading the read i'm going through the uh plot and i forget things so is there anything you wanted to talk about before we kind of go on to the next area uh i hope that those uh both of those insurance guys went out for a beer afterwards and you know <laughs> i don't know or got got the money back and just used it like they went to mexico and, and had just a banger weekend with all that money <laughs> they were supposed yeah. to get to <laughs> Of, uh, our buddy walter well they one of them did give him a check right no they, they gave they gave walter a check but then they didn't get the money back but i hope they went back in stole the money and then went to mexico and had a banger weekend together because after putting up with walter yeah they're gonna need at least a couple drinks do you think um you think this uh this episode is a uh prequel to uh little nicky because walter bedacker goes down to hell and that's where little Nikki's at, and then the wife goes up to heaven, I'm sure. Oh, I don't doubt it. Actually, no, it's not a bad theory. I'd say we go with it. We make that canon. Here and now, that is, that I, is, I agree. That is, yeah, that is canon. The, the, the halfway decent episode for the really bad movie with Adam Sandler. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Adam Sandler. God love yeah, you. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Unless you know it's so, Jack and Jill, then screw that. <laughs> oh my god that was terrible um anyways so we'll kind of finish this out um right now like i said twilight zone list uh rankings we have five episodes that we have ranked so far and the first episode is walking distance the last episode is 16 millimeter shrine um i'm gonna say i don't think it's as good as walking distance um but where would you put this episode maybe compared to the other three like one for the angels mr denton on doomsday where's everybody you know what a sucker I am for um, one for the angels, and mm. I, I gotta I gotta leave what one for the angels in second, and then put this in third. Do you think it's better than like Denton's on Doomsday and stuff like that? I think so. Then again, that that's a Denton on Doomsday was really good. I, I I would probably tie like Denton on Doomsday and this one. Well, I, I guess I should let me ask this question. Um, the the way the two episodes play out do you think um then i think uh, to me personally i would put escape closet number three just on the simple fact that i think then does get a payoff in the end but i think the payoff so much better in escape clause with oh yeah a character that's very terrible and he gets his just desserts and i think the mr cadwaller makes the episode that much better than the the guy who's selling the yeah yeah henry fate just on the simple fact that that's what i think um rod serling was always good at is writing characters of you know hefty size as jolly you know tricksters or whatever i mean you look at like um like i said jonathan winters and game of pool is a good example so 
that yeah. that's my yeah that's my opinion but like i said if you feel different you more than no i i think that makes sense like i was trying to think back to denton and i think like i i, I like the fact that denton kind of got his he got he got what he needed but yeah i think this one this is probably a little bit more compelling story um so yeah let's go let's go uh this is third okay yeah and like i said um maybe at the end of the when we get done with this whole entire series we can you know look at the list and see if may changes something or whatever but um so with that said uh we have six episodes down of 100 and i don't know 65 episodes ago or some <laughs> insane amount it's, i was like checking down like how many if, if we were to take breaks it's still gonna take us like three years to get through the whole entire series 136 yeah. episodes of twilight zone on the wall 135 <laughs> episodes of yeah anyway so we're gonna be in it for the long haul this list is gonna get very long and it's going to become more complicated when we try and figure out where to put episodes which i'm not looking forward to and no, i'm kidding i always look for a good challenge <laughs> well um, i tell you this i will bring a shovel with me and we can have a knockdown drag out over what should be number 32 <laughs> maybe at that point and uh we get down 80 episodes down the list we'll have uh good computers that will just be able to virtually beat each other up oh i think so well i'm already <laughs> virtual so i could totally beat your ass <laughs> there you go uh so in, so at number three we have escape clause uh seems like a good point for right now uh number one so walking distance number six is the uh very awful i'm gonna say it every, no i'm kidding uh is the episode 16 millimeter shrine it's not the worst episode wow. in the world. it's not i'm it, telling it you i don't is, know what 16 millimeter shrine did to you but one of these episodes i am going to find out how, how that how badly that hurt you that's where I get my allergies from watching that episode. I'm allergic to it. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, boo. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so with that said, I think we'll end it there. Uh, the next episode uh, is actually the end of this episode. I don't know if you watched like the next next segment that they did for a while when they. Oh, bring that was great. Throwing. Yeah, <laughs> but he has. We see like the shadow of like a woman's woman's shadow. He starts talking about the lonely. He's like, I don't get the episode either, or something like that. It's really, really funny. But then we pan over and see the woman from uh, the lonely episode, which I thought was kind of cute. But yeah, that was um, cool. Yeah, they, were, they, so, they really honestly had some cheeky promotions. Like they're they're pretty awesome. It is. I agree. It's some good stuff. Now, did you, um, do you have the um? Do you have the DVDs where they do like the little follow up promos that that go on after? What, like it'll after show the you. Episode? Yeah, so you get like the Rod Serling, like what's coming next, and then there's like a commercial yeah, yeah that's what I was talking about kind it, of thing. Yeah, this one had the uh, next on Twilight Zone. It's a very interesting episode, and Rod Serling is here to tell you about it. And, that's when we see the the little is that the thing you're talking about no it's after that so they they do like the oh, rods, no. like the so i got the dvds and on them after you have like the rod serling on talking about whatever episode is next there'll be like a commercial mm. for like an upcoming episode of some other show but this one was a public service announcement about going to church oh lord have mercy <laughs> literally <laughs> um <laughs> No, I, I it just goes straight to commercials and then to the next episode, but that's pretty awesome yeah. though. Yeah, it is. It's kind of neat. Like I love looking at things from that time and seeing what actually would have aired afterwards. Right, right. Uh, but the next episode is The Lonely. It's the second episode ever to go into production for the Twilight Zone. It stars of course Jack Warden, which is kind of awesome. Ted Knight's in this episode. Nice. Which um I think Ted Knight was in um uh Caddyshack. His last movie was Caddyshack, which is kind of cool. 
That is uh, Gene Marsh. Also, has a great cast. Gene Marsh, James Hurley. Uh, I don't know who James Denner is, but I mean Jack Warden plays the main the main character, so which is cool. So we'll look forward to that. I like I said, one of the one of the cool episodes of the series. Very interesting. So oh yeah. So anyways, that'll do it. That'll be our episode of season one, episode six, which of course was Escape Clause. Uh, thank you so much, Trip, as always, for coming on the episode and talking yeah, <laughs> to me. And uh, hopefully I don't get hit by a shovel in the near future, but we'll see. You better watch your ass. <laughs> exactly. So uh, with that said, uh, when they want to find you, where they want to find you to uh, see your content, and maybe get hit with a shovel, where can they find you? <laughs> Well, unless it's a virtual shovel, I think they're they're probably okay. <laughs> you can find me here on YouTube. I'm uh, Trivial Theater. Just type that in and you'll go to my channel and I've got all kinds of random, obscure, and straight up bad content. You can also find me on Twitter at Trivia underscore Chick. And uh, definitely go check out her content. She just put out the uh, best episode about pussy you'll ever see, which is, of course, I'm <laughs> talking about cats. About pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just put out an episode about Stephen King's Sleepwalkers, which is a very interesting episode or very interesting movie. Uh, but she had uh, Lynn from Comfort, Comfort Flicks. Is that right? Lynn from Comfort Flicks on the Narcotic Casserole channel. But anyways, look forward to that. And uh, as always, you can find me at Movie Emporium. I have merch. I have uh, many, many videos, over a thousand videos you can watch. I have many, many comments. Maybe posted a positive comment for once. It has been a good week. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's uh, we have two great channels that you definitely should check out. So uh, okay. with that said. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Exactly what she said, agreed. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that'll do it. Uh, that'll be our uh, take on the fifth dimension. And uh, we'll see you guys next time in Twilight Zone. Peace out, everyone. Take care. Take care. Oh, oh my goodness. Is that gonna make it into the spot or make it into the the uh it thing? should? Maybe it will. Maybe it will. <laughs> I should fall over here like, whoa, whoa. Hey, look, I'm further down. <laughs>